From the very moment I started this podcast, I wanted to cover etymology. Etymology is the study of the history of words. And many times when exploring a topic, we use etymology to discover the roots of a word. So what if we found out the etymology of the word etymology? Is that too self-referential? Probably. But I love this idea, and I'm going to do it anyway. Good luck trying to stop me. I saw a picture some years back of the first camera, or so they said it was, and the thing was massive, but my immediate question was that if this is a picture of the first camera, then what took this picture? Someone explained that the designers had set up a series of mirrors so that the camera could take a picture of itself. Now, granted, I'm not sure exactly how true this uh, series of events is, but I love the fact that the first ever photo might even be a selfie. Looking through the etymology of etymology is kind of like that. The word is, is taking a selfie, reflecting on itself, and discovering its roots. Okay, that's usually not what you have in mind when taking a selfie, but you get the idea. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, and welcome to Cozy Comatose, where your sleepy host dives into history to help you fall asleep. Let's explore the etymology of etymology. Etymology is the study of the history of words. By extension, the etymology of a word means its origin and development through history. For languages with a long written history, etymologists make use of texts and texts about the language to gather knowledge about how words were used during earlier periods, how they developed in meaning and form, or when and how they entered the language. Etymologists also apply the methods of comparative linguistics to reconstruct information about forms that are too old for any direct information to be available. By analyzing related languages with a technique known as the comparative method, linguists can make inferences about their shared parent language and its vocabulary. In this way, Word roots in European languages, for example, can be traced all the way back to its origin of the Indo-European language family. Even though etymological research originally grew from the philological tradition, much current etymological research is done on language families, where little or no early documentation is available such as Uralic or Austronesian. The word etymology derives from Greek, meaning true sense or a sense of truth, and the suffix logia, denoting the study of. The term etymon refers to a word or morpheme, a stem or root from which a latter word or morpheme derives, for example, the Latin word candidus, which means white, is the etymon of English candid. Relationships are often less transparent, however. English place names such as Winchester, Gloucester, and Tadcaster share in different modern forms a suffixed etymon that was once meaningful. Etymologists apply a number of methods to study the origins of words, some of which are 
some of which include philological research. Changes in the form and meaning of the word can be traced with the aid of older texts, if such are available. Making use of dialectological data. The form or meaning of the word might show variations between dialects, which may yield clues about its earlier history. The comparative method. By a systematic comparison of related languages, etymologists may often be able to detect which words derive from their common ancestral language and which were instead later borrowed from another language. The study of semantic change. Etymologists must often make hypotheses about changes in the meaning of particular words. Such hypotheses are tested against the general knowledge of semantic shifts. For example, the assumption of a particular change of meaning may be substantiated by showing that the same type of change has occurred in other languages as well. Etymological theory recognizes that words originate through a limited number of basic mechanisms, the most important of which are language change, borrowing, for example, the adoption of loan words from other languages, word formations such as derivation and compounding, and onomatopoeia and sound symbolism, such as the imitative words like click or grunt. While the origin of newly emerged words is often more or less transparent, it tends to become obscured through time during to sound change or semantic change. Due to sound change, it is not readily obvious that the English word set is related to the word sit. The former is originally causative formation of the latter. It is even less obvious that bless is related to blood. The former was originally a derivative with the meaning to mark with blood. Semantic change may also occur. For example, the English word bead originally meant prayer. It acquired its modern meaning through the practice of counting the recitation of prayers using beads. English derives from Old English, sometimes referred to as Anglo-Saxon, a West Germanic variety, although its current vocabulary includes words from many. The Old English roots may be seen in the similarity of numbers in English and German, particularly seven mit seven, eight mit acht, nine with nein, and ten with sein. Pronouns are also cognate. I, mine, me, and ich, mein, mich, thou, thee, thine, and die, dein, dich, we, wir, and us, uns, she, sie, you, ihr. However, language change has eroded many grammatical elements, such as the noun case system, which is greatly simplified in modern English. Certain elements of vocabulary are borrowed from French or other Romance languages, but most of the common words used in English are of Germanic origin. When the Normans conquered England in 1066, they brought their Norman with them. During the Anglo-Norman period, which united insular and continental territories, the ruling class spoke Anglo-Norman, while the peasants spoke with the vernacular English of the time. 
Anglo-Norman was the conduit for the introduction of French into England, aided by the circulation of Languedoc literature from France. This led to many paired words from French and English origin. For example, beef is related through borrowing to modern French boeuf, veal to veau, pork to pork, poultry to poulet. All these words, French and English, refer to the meat rather than the animal. Words that refer to farm animals, on the other hand, tend to be cognates of words in other Germanic languages. For example, swine and schwein, cow and cow, calf and kamp, sheep and schaf. The variant usage has been explained by the preposition that it was the Norman rulers who mostly ate meat, an expensive commodity, and the Anglo-Saxons who farmed the animals. This explanation was passed into common folklore, but has been disputed. English has proved accommodating to words from many languages. Scientific terminology, for example, relies heavily on words of Latin and Greek origin. Spanish has contributed many words, particularly in the southwestern United States. Examples include buckaroo, alligator, rodeo, savvy, and states names such as Colorado and Florida, albino, lingo, veranda, and coconut from Portuguese, diva and prima donna from Italian. Modern French has contributed words like café, cinema, naive, nicotine, and many more. Smorgasbord, slalom, and ombudsman are from Swedish, Norwegian, and Danish. Sauna from Finnish, adobe, alcohol, algebra, algorithm, apricot, assassin, caliber, cotton, hazard, jacket, jar, julep, mosque, muslim, orange, safari, sofa, and zero from Arabic, often via other languages and zero from Arabic, often via other languages. Behemoth, Hallelujah, Satan, Jubilee, and Rabbi from Hebrew. Steppe, Bolshevik, and Sputnik from Russian. Bandana, Bungalow, Dungarees, Guru, Karma, and Pundit come from Urdu, Hindi, and ultimately Sanskrit. Curry from Tamil, Honcho, Sushi, and Tsunami from Japanese, Dim Sung, Gung Ho, Kumquat, and Typhoon from Cantonese, Kampong and Amok are from Malay, and Boondocks from the Tagalog word for hills or mountains. Ketchup derives from one or more Southeast Asia and East Indies words for fish sauce or soy sauce, likely by way of Chinese, though the precise path is unclear. Surprisingly few loanwords, however, come from other languages native to the British Isles. Those that exist include coracle, cromlech, and probably flannel. Gull and penguin from Welsh, galore and whiskey from Scottish Gaelic, phony trousers and Tory from Irish, and eerie and canny from Scots, or related Northern English dialects. Many Canadian English and American English words, especially but not exclusively plant and animal names, are loanwords from indigenous American languages. 
such as barbecue, bayou, chili, chipmunk, hooch, hurricane, husky, mesquite, opossum, pecan, squash, toboggan, and tomato. The search for meaningful origins for familiar or strange words is far older than the modern understanding of linguistic evolution and the relationships of languages, which began no earlier than the 18th century. From Panini to Pindar to Sir Thomas Brown, etymology had been a form of witty wordplay in which the supposed origins of words were creatively imagined to satisfy contemporary requirements. For example, the Greek poet Pindar, born in approximately 522 BCE, employed inventive etymologies to flatter his patrons. Plutarch employed etymologies insecurely based on fancied resemblances to sounds. Isidore of Seville's Etymologi was an encyclopedic tracing of first things that remained uncritically in use in Europe until the 16th century. Etymologicum Genuinum is a grammatical encyclopedia edited in Constantinople in the 9th century, one of several similar Byzantine works. The Sanskrit languages and grammarians of ancient India were the first to make a comprehensive analysis of linguistics and etymology. The study of Sanskrit etymology has provided Western scholars with a basis for historical linguistics and modern etymology. These linguists were not the earliest Sanskrit grammarians, however. They followed a line of ancient grammarians of Sanskrit who lived several centuries earlier, the analysis of Sanskrit grammar done by the previously mentioned linguists involved extensive studies of the etymology called Nirukta or Virpati. One of the earliest philosophical texts of the classical Greek period to address etymology was the Socratic dialogue Cratylus by Plato. Socrates makes guesses as to the origins of many words, including the names of the gods. In his Odes, Pindar spins complementary etymologies to flatter his patrons. Plutarch, Life of Numa Pompilius, spins an etymology for Pontifex, which explicitly dismisses the obvious, the actual bridge builder. The priests called pontifices, have the name of pontifices from potens, powerful because they attended the service of the gods, who have power and command over all. Others make the word refer to exceptions in impossible cases. The priests were to perform all the duties possible. If anything lays beyond their power, the exception was not to be caviled. The most common opinion is the most absurd, which derives from this word pons, and assigns the priest the title of bridge makers. The sacrifices performed on the bridge were amongst the most sacred and ancient, and the keeping and repairing of the bridge attached, like any other public sacred office, to the priesthood. Isidore of Seville compiled a volume of etymologies to illuminate the triumph of religion. Each saint's legend in Jacob de Vorain's Legenda Aurea begins with an etymological discourse of the saint's name. 
Lucy is said of light. The light is beauty in beholding. After that, as Ambrose saith, the nature of light is such. She is gracious in beholding. She spreadeth over all without lying down. She passeth in going right without crooking by right long line, and it is without dilation of tarrying. Therefore it is showed, the blessed Lucy hath beauty of virginity without any corruption, essence of charity without disordinate love, rightful going and devotion to God without squaring out of the way, right long line by continual work without negligence of slothful tarrying. Etymology in the modern sense emerged in the late 18th century European academia, with the right context of the wider Age of Enlightenment. Although preceded by 17th century pioneers such as Marcus Zurius van Boxhorn, Gerardus Vossius, Stephen Skinner, Elisha Coles, and William Watton, the first known systematic attempt to prove the relationship between two languages on the basis of similarity of grammar and lexicon was made in 1770 by the Hungarian Janos Sinovics, when he attempted to demonstrate the relationship between Sami and Hungarian, work that was later extended to include the whole Finno-Ugric language family in 1799 by his fellow countryman Samuel. The origin of modern historical linguistics is often traced to Sir William Jones, a Welsh philologist living in India, who, in 1782, observed the genetic relationship between Sanskrit, Greek, and Latin. Jones published the Sanskrit language in 1786, laying the foundation for the field of Indo-European linguistics. The study of etymology in Germanic philology was introduced by Rasmus Christian Rask in the early 19th century, and elevated to a high standard with a German dictionary of the Brothers Grimm. The successes of the comparative approach culminated in Neogrammarian school of the late 19th century. Still, in the 19th century, German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche used etymological strategies, principally and most famously in On the Genealogy of Morals, but also elsewhere, to argue that moral values have definite historical, specifically cultural, origins where modulations in meaning regarding certain concepts, such as good and evil, show how these ideas have changed over time according to which value system appropriated them. This strategy gained popularity in the 20th century, and philosophers such as Jacques Derrida have used etymologies to indicate former meanings of words to decenter the violent hierarchies of Western philosophy. If we were to boil down what etymology is, it is looking back at the roots of words, where they came from, and how they got to be today. How did they get from the languages they spoke a thousand years ago to the language I know, you know, today? I don't know about you, but I never would have guessed that blood was related to the word bless. Without etymology, none of that information would be available or even possible.
Thank you for listening to Cozy Comatose. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback about the show, my email door is always open at cozycomatose at gmail.com. And if you have something specific you'd like to fall asleep to, please let me know. Sweet dreams, everyone.